0: And welcome to the Black Magic Treehouse, the podcast where we uncover media from our past that used to scare us when we were children. How is that, Jose?
1: Wow, um, you're giving me very little to work with here. Uncover, what, yeah, I'm just marveling at what we could possibly be talking about. I mean, spoiler alert, I'd do know what we're talking about but with regards to that little teaser i am at a loss so good job i guess is what i'm saying
0: well the listener knows because it'll be in the show notes or title i guess
1: (sighs) whichever comes first title show notes we really don't know how this podcasting stuff works
0: i'm eric by the way and this is my co-host
1: Oh, uh, yeah. Hi, I'm I'm Jose. See, I told you we did not know how this works. Just kidding. We're having fun. Um. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I is there any uh, top the, of the, the show business that I'm worse. Is there uh, any top of the show business I uh, should be
0: covering right now? Because we used to have a whole laundry list, and then I, I feel don't. like we just kind of threw that I out know. at a certain
1: point. Yeah, uh, I don't think so. Um, Fantastic. Yeah, just just steamroll ahead. Uh, just uh, I guess the only thing would be uh, just a quick um, synopsis of what we do here, and then just <clears throat> power through to the thing we're actually talking about. What we do here
0: is uh, we gather in this chilly treehouse, chilly, creepy eternally autumnal treehouse, and uh, we discuss media like, I don't know, books, movies, television shows, websites, that uh, we used to look into as burgeoning horror fans coming of age on scary media. How many times did I say media in that synopsis of what we do?
1: Twice, but, you know, when you do the introduction to anything, it feels like you're saying it a thousand times. So, I think it was twice, but it probably felt like a thousand. Kind of like the heat index. It's like, how many times did I say that word? Or how many times did I do that thing? Mm, like three times, but it felt like an eternity.
0: How long of a paragraph can I write without ever loo- using the letter F? Did you ever do, did you ever do that challenge?
1: Nope. Not eager to from the sound of it.
0: All right. Well anyway, let's get into it, shall we?
1: (laughs) That's your homework for this episode. By the time we get done talking about our topic for today, we want one beautiful paragraph without any Fs in it. And I'm sure there's a couple F words our listeners are thinking of right now to describe how well this no, I'm just kidding. Enough of that. Enough of that. Continue. Like funky. Funky and fun freakedelic phantasmagoric. Oh, a good one that's a pH ooh, that's a pH, but you know we can we can reverse fat that we can put the F back into phantasmagoric. not unlike how
0: I check the levels of chlorine in my pool. Is that measured in pH? Yeah. There's something that you do with your pool. anyway, I grew up with a pool, no big deal.
1: Wow! Check your privilege. We
0: were lower middle class. Everybody. Uh,
1: <laughs> it was an above ground pool. I had some great birthdays. It was above ground. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, that's what it was. That's what life. Life was just one big above ground pool back then. You know.
0: Um. So how are you doing? Should I be pleasant and say something like, "How's it going? How's about you?
1: No. Oh, no. Okay.
0: So the book I want to
1: talk about <laughs> <We> did- today. <laughs>
0: I'm going to show this year cover.
1: Uh, oh my god, you Do you remember you this? You just did a bait and switch
0: when I said uncover and then produced a book called Uncovered.
1: Okay, no 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 no. L- listen here, listener. I was told that we would be reading some excerpts and or stories from an oddly enough Oh, did I say that? Well, this is what I meant.
0: What I meant was (laughs) Uncovered by Paul Jennings because I could not remember what the theme of this series was. And I still don't really know because Uncovered is a series of books that includes, also by Paul Jennings, unbearable, undone, unmentionable, unreal, uncanny, Unbelievable. And, of course, Quirky Tales.
1: You know, and I feel like, I don't know whose idea it might have been, who orig- who it originated with. Is, is it the author? Is it the editor? You know, is it just the you know editorial team as a whole that, uh, look, we've got these, because uh, these are short stories, yes? Mm-hmm. So we have this potential collection of short stories. And, well, I guess it must have originated with the author. Because um, maybe, is one of the stories called Uncovered? Let me check. Yeah. Do, Doing do, some investigating.
0: Do, 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 do.
1: That's our 70s detective investigating music.
0: No, there is not a story called Uncovered. There is, however. Okay, well, what I'm getting at. A story called pubic hair hair spelled like rabbit
1: wow oh boy we're we are not we are not dipping our toes into the shallow end here we are just diving right into the deep end of that above ground pool called life but what i was getting it's the last story of the book but maybe i should start with that one because i am curious
0: (laughs) i thought this was a book for like little kids from the look of it
1: yeah one would think well there are so many things going on in my head and i'm gonna try to parse through each one as best as i can so number one, number re- one. returning one turning back to the, yeah number one the thing i was trying to um the thing i was trying to explain earlier um it's like who whose idea was it to call the book this and then with the subsequent books they're like well we have to link them in some way. Well, the first book was called Uncovered. So maybe we can have uh, this sequel and any potential books that we publish in the future. It can be an unword. Uh, and it's like, wow, what a great idea. We've thematically linked each of the titles so that now everybody will know that they are related and everybody will remember them. But at the same time, those are completely unmemorable titles i've already forgotten half of the ones we said <laughs> unmemorable yes that was the seventh unreleased <laughs> uh book in that series um yeah i don't know just underwhelmed
0: underwhelmed that doesn't count uh, i guess because under is the prefix there
1: well it's still an un anyway what's your uh second point Number Two, ding, number two, yes, let's move on, so terrible, terrible titles all around number two, I know this book, okay, so that is why that is why the bait and switch is all the more surprising i you're welcome no or I am almost certain I know this book because the cover, dear listener, shows um. I don't know what we'd call that. Maybe eh, I was going to say like a Lane Smith kind of a vibe based on that artwork, but that's really not doing any justice to Lane Smith at all. Um, but that's the closest thing that comes to my mind. Uh, but a Lane Smith ish cat that is just squatting there on its haunches. And it's got like almost snake like eyes glaring out at the reader and a typical Feline scowl on its face, and that's about it. It's just sitting on some floorboards, the background is dark, and the cat's just sitting there judging us. And the reason I think I'm almost certain that I know this book is that cat. Oh, oh what is that? Eric's pointing to something right now, and I can't. Trying to draw Jose's attention to these blue
0: feathers on the floor, which I think is supposed to imply that the cat just ate uh, some kind of avianarian animal.
1: Mm, That is the scientific name for those, for those creatures. Yeah, I know my Latin. Um, hmm. Maybe, maybe this isn't the book I'm thinking of. It's just one that I've come across, but...
0: The style of the cover reminds me of um, the stinky cheese man a little bit.
1: We'll see. Yeah. There you go. Lane Smith. um, Oh, I didn't know that was the same person. (laughs) Yeah. You didn't know him by name. So yeah. Lane Smith is the illustrator for the stinky cheese man, as well as uh, the famous predecessor, the true story of the three little pigs. So both of those books were John Sheska author, Lane Smith, illustrator. Okay. So hey, look at that. We we were on the same page.
0: So what uh, were you gonna ask me? <laughs>
1: uh what uh what was I gonna ask you? Uh so have you read all or some of this book already?
0: Nope. These books uh we have I couldn't no. tell you which three we have, but we have three of these in this series and the reason that we have them is because my girlfriend, when she found out we were doing this podcast, saw these at a thrift store, thrift books, and mm. grabbed them because she used, she grew up on these. So thanks, girlfriend.
1: Really? Okay. Yeah, thank you, girlfriend, um, who exists in another universe uh, apart from the Black Magic Treehouse.
0: Yeah, boys only up here
1: yeah Hmm. read the sign it's, it's the rules we can't break them uh thank you for your interdimensional donation to the show girlfriend uh so gee well wow, i'm feeling slightly silly now because i wonder if this is the book i'm thinking of i so i guess i'll just put it out there because you can neither confirm nor deny since you haven't read it but i saw that picture and it made me think of this Book that my sixth grade language arts teacher read from, and it ha- uh, the story she read from uh, that book. Maybe it was this one. Who knows? Uh, was a tale. It was kind of like a gross out story. It wasn't exactly. It was. It wasn't a horror story by any stretch. Really, it was just firmly in the in the domain of a gross out tale about a boy's father who was infamous for playing pranks on him and like his best friend. Uh, And one of the pranks that he would pull was uh, faking his son and uh, whoever of his son's friends happened to be around, faking them out by um, using like fake dog doo-doo or in this case, fake cat doo-doo and scooping it up from the litter box and eating it. And the twist in the story, of course, is the son becomes so sick of this joke that, you know, dad goes to do his usual trick and he's standing there munching and the son like pulls out the bag of fake doo-doo and this look of horror comes over the dad's face and he like exits stage left barfing his face off. And I've never forgotten that story. It's, and it's, I mean, I guess it's kind of weird that our, and this was like, the honors English English language arts course and our sixth grade teacher read that to us one day and I've never forgotten it.
0: I like how you got your bragging in there. This was of course honors
1: English. Yeah, this was at the club, um right after our writing session. Um so yeah, like I said, that's the story I remember and now I'm curious, is this the same book? What what's the copyright on that bad boy? Uh well let me check. Do do, do do
0: do 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 do. Uh,
1: here's our detective investigation. 1995. Theme song. Yeah, definitely in the realm of possibility. Then, so how about I be quiet now, and we dive into this book here. Uncovered!
0: Exclamation point. Weird, weird stories. Yeah. How do you feel about a question mark in a title, like The Informant, starring Matt Damon, for example?
1: The informant has a question mark in the title? Sorry,
0: I mean exclamation point.
1: Oh. Oh, yeah, that one does have an exclamation point. Uh, Exclamation points I'm okay with. Question marks are weird. Um, all, With all due respect to Are You There, God? It's me, Margaret. Um, or this movie you keep trying to push on me called Whoever Slew Auntie Rue. Oh, yeah. Um. Well, I mean, those are fun.
0: So, Jose, I'm going to tell you I'm okay with this episode not being two
1: hours. So we'll get through
0: one short story and then see what uh, time code we're at. But this first one is called, I'm just going to go with the first one. And then uh, maybe I will, if we have more time, just skip directly to the last one. That's fine. Because I so want to know what pubic hair is. How About how long are these stories? About 20 pages each. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, All right. So this first one, prepare yourself. For a title from the depths of R.L. Stein Goosebumps fadery itself.
1: Forever. That's all it's called? It's forever? That's all it's called is forever. With all the R's and the ellipses, I imagine? Um, No. Spelled
0: like the song that Uncle Jesse and the Rippers covered on Full House. Apparently by the Beach Boys, I think they said. Anyway. Yes. Confirmed fact. Shut up. I'm reading. (laughs) Every kid in the class was laughing at Richard. Well, everyone except Tim. He felt more like crying. After all, Richard was his brother. Even Ms. Fish, the teacher, had to bite her tongue to stop herself from chuckling. She stared out of the window, watching Richard leap around in the playground. Tim she said. Tim sighed. Then he picked up his crutches and swung his way to the door. Another gale of laughter rocked the room as he left. Richard was at it again. Toilet paper. Why was Richard so crazy about toilet paper? Why couldn't it be newspaper or paper bags? Why did it always have to be toilet paper? Today it was worse than usual. And if you do have something to say, I will allow you to unmute your mic and just start yelling at me. Otherwise, I'm probably not going to pause.
1: I like the, uh, I just, of course, imagine Harrison Ford looking over the ledge and just seeing rolls of toilet paper slithering around like, oh, toilet paper. Why does it always have to be toilet paper?
0: (laughs) Sure, we all thought that. That was a pretty good Harrison Ford impression,
1: though. Oh, I wasn't trying. So, yay! today it was
0: worse than usual. In the past, Richard had wrapped up mailboxes and sticks and garden spades. But today took the cake. Richard had wrapped himself. He looked like a mummy risen from the dead. Bound head to foot in toilet paper. Loose bits flapped in the breeze as he danced around the playground. Tim hobbled across the yard. Come on, he said gently to his brother. Come back inside. <laughs> arg, 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 barked Richard. <laughs> arg was his only word, if you could call it a word. Richard had never spoken a sensible sentence in his life. I don't like how this story is shaping
1: up. No, this is sounding pretty rough oh Uh, boy 1995 you don't say
0: uh, I'm just going to read it like he made a choice like Harpo to not speak Um, and not that he can't speak for (laughs) neurological reasons as Tim approached I'm sure that's how the author meant it as Tim approached Richard pranced around like a dog when someone tries to take a ball from his mouth He darted in and out, wanting and not wanting to be caught at the same time. Oh no, Tim said as he saw Richard glance at a nearby gum tree. Tim tried to shepherd his brother away, but the crutches and his tired arms slowed him down. In a flash, Richard was scrambling up the tree trunk. Tim suddenly felt very tired. The crutches chafed his armpits and his head throbbed. The pain that always gnawed at his chest was worse than ever. He lowered himself to the grass. Please come down, Richard, he said. I can't climb trees. Arrgh, garg, barked Richard. Tim looked toward the school. The teachers had agreed to give Richard a trial. Two months to see if they could handle him. If not, he would have to find another school. Tim shook his head. Nobody could handle Richard, except Tim. He had to think of something. Otherwise, there would be a fuss, and Richard wouldn't be allowed to stay. Come on, Richard, he yelled. Please come down. The bell rang, and kids started streaming out into the yard. Soon, there was a big circle standing around the tree, laughing, pointing, joking. Richard waved a white toilet roll in one bandaged hand. Please don't, Tim said to himself. Richard started to unroll his treasure. Soon a long ribbon was fluttering out from his arm. Longer and longer, like a never-ending flag, flapping and waving in the sunshine. Finally, it broke. The wind caught the fragile paper and lifted it above the head of the crowd. Kids jumped up and reached, yelling and laughing. The toilet paper twisted and snaked toward the school. Finally, it drifted down, and the mob grabbed it wildly, pulling the sheets apart and throwing them into the wind. Richard swung around in the tree like a ghostly monkey. He began pulling his paper bandage away and throwing it down on the laughing mob of kids. Tim's heart dropped as he saw teachers coming with a ladder. He had to get Richard down before they frightened him. Otherwise, he might fall on someone or hurt himself. If that had happened, Richard might be sent home for good. Tim closed his eyes and tried to shut out the angry blood-red clouds that swirled inside his head. Think of snow, he said to himself. A wonderful picture filled his mind. Soft, silent flakes of snow fell gently to the ground. Imaginary houses carried banks of whiteness. Every branch bowed beneath a cold burden. The snowman stood watching without a word. Peace. Nothing disturbed this wintry peace. Now Tim knew what to do. The snow had never let him down. All right, that was chapter one. Any thoughts so far?
1: So, as we said, um, you know, slightly concerning regarding some of the characters and their potential treatment and the chapters and pages to come um getting very much of a of mice and men <laughs> dynamic going on here where uh you know you have I, I i didn't catch if it was stated or not if um tim is the younger brother or older brother does it say which i don't know if
0: it said i don't think it did
1: i don't think it did either um, I see him as being the younger brother, trying to, you know, shepherd to use the author's word, his um, older brother into kind of conforming to school life, um, and older brother or brother having uh, ideas and plans of their own. Um, that last bit though is uh, yeah, I I did like it was quite poetical, you know, first with the blood red clouds of anger storming in his head. And then when he started, you know, uh, when he started to try envisioning snow as almost like a calming device that made me think of, uh, silent snow, secret snow, uh, which is a story by Conrad Aiken that was adapted for an episode of Night Gallery. Um, which is about a boy of who is uh potentially neurodiverse in some fashion who has a recurring fantasy of uh, of his home and his town just filling with snow and it seems to calm him down and it uh it's a world that he finds himself moving closer and closer to as the story goes on to the point that. He kind of enters that snowy world and never looks back. So that's kind of the vibe those last few passages were giving me. I'm curious how they might play out in the rest of the story if they they do. Well, let's
0: find out. Chapter two. Tim opened his eyes. Teachers were hustling across the yard with a ladder. Kids were jumping and shouting, enjoying the snow. He had to hurry. He limped toward the tree on his crutches and then started fishing around in his pockets. Hurry, 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 he said to himself, and then got him. He pulled out two squashed packages of honey that his dad had brought back from a motel, the type that had just enough for one slice of toast. Tim quickly pushed them both into a hole in the side of the tree. Hey, what's this in here? He called in a loud voice. He pretended to be very interested in the hole. Out of the side of one eye, he could see Richard peering down. Oh, look, he shouted to himself. Honey, he pulled out one package and made a great show of peeling back the lid and slurping the contents. He sucked and chewed noisily. Richard watched from above. I wonder if there's any more, Tim yelled into the hole. In a flash, Richard dropped lightly to the ground and thrust his hand into the tree. He pulled out the package and shoved it into his mouth without opening it. He munched happily, not knowing or caring that the whole school was watching. Finally, he spat out the plastic container. Well done, Tim, said Ms. Fish. The two boys headed for the classroom. Tim paused as a pain growled inside his chest. He winced and then kept going. He wondered how long the teachers would go on letting Richard disturb the class. He didn't seem to be learning anything at all, and he was annoying everyone else. That night, Richard sat in the corner of the living room and fiddled with a toilet roll. He turned it over and over and over. He seemed hardly aware that Tim and his mother and father were in the room. Dad tossed Richard two packages of honey. Here, he said. Give one to Tim. Richard turned them both over in his hand. He looked at Tim for just a second and then shoved both into his mouth. Uh, what kind of a voice am I supposed to give mum? Aren't you going to share? said mum. A bit late for that, Tim grinned. He gave Richard a friendly punch. One day, Richard told him, one day me and you are going to the snow. He closed his eyes and described what he saw. Richard fiddled with the toilet paper, not taking his gaze from it for a second. That snow, said Tim, is as fresh as an apple still on the tree. It's as cool as the breeze across a deep, deep lake. Oh, I see that snow like it is here now. You and I are there, Richard. We are sliding down the slope on skis, and there is a snowman. And you know what? You know what that snowman is doing, Richard? You know what that snowman is doing? Is he just standing there? Is he just silent under the blue sky? No, that snowman is dancing, Richard. Oh, you should see him. He is leaping around and skipping and throwing up his arms. He is picking up snow and throwing it into the air. Oh, that snowman. He is full of joy. He doesn't care that the sun will melt him away. He doesn't worry about what is coming. He is king of the snow. There is no tomorrow for him. Oh, look at him dance. Look at him dance. Tim smiled beneath his closed eyes. We will see him, Richard. We will, you and me. One day, we will see snow. One day, we will go to the mountains. One day, we will see the snowman dance. Tim opened his eyes, and the snow-covered scene vanished. I'm going to lie down, he said. I don't feel too good. He picked up his crutches and swung out of the room. Richard turned over the toilet paper roll over and over. Arrgh, arg, arg. he said. The boys, mum and dad, looked at each other with tear-filled eyes. I sh- it's mum and dad. I guess I should be reading this with a British accent, but I can't. So uh, fill that in in your own mind filter, listeners. Tim will never see snow, said mum. Not in Australia. Oh, it's Australia. Not in Australia in December.
1: Yeah, you could just keep reading the way you have, and that's fine. I didn't pass that audition. Huh?
0: I don't have dialects in my CV <laughs> under special skills.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't have many. I, I don't know if I could pull off an Australian accent. I can do Southern pretty well, e- even though that's not how I talk. But uh, anyway, um, wow, well, Australia. Hmm, well, now we know. Paul Paul Jennings. Yeah. All right. Well, there we go. Now that I've I've embarrassed myself, I'll, I'll be muting my microphone now. There's
0: no more Australian name than Paul. Tim will never see snow, said Mum. Not in Australia in December. He might make it, said the father. It sometimes snows in the mountains in June. Oh, I forgot I was doing a voice for the Mum, too. June will be too late, said Mum. I wish they weren't having a conversation with each other. "'June will be too late,' said Mum. "'I should have taken him last
2: year,' said Dad. "'Don't blame yourself,' said Mum. "'The doctor wouldn't allow it, remember?' "'Arg, arg, arg,'
0: barked Richard. The noise was louder and more violent than usual. He hugged the toilet paper roll to his chest and rocked like a baby. Mum glanced over at Richard do you think he knows? said Mum. Dad scowled as a truck changed gear on the road outside. It sounded its horn loudly. He doesn't know about anything except toilet paper rolls. Here we go again. Richard's face lit up. He raced out the door. Er At the front gate, he jumped up and down, waving his arms crazily. The truck had a large toilet paper roll painted on the side underneath was written "Soft as dawn." The driver leaned over and wound down the passenger side window. Then he threw something into the air. It turned over and over and then bounced crazily into the front yard. Richards it's starting to feel insensitive that he uses crazily as an adjective so many times. <laughs> Read the room,
1: Paul Jennings. <laughs> It's your own character, for God's sake.
0: Just in case you didn't realize it, this character's a little bonkers. Richard scampered after his prize, one tightly wrapped roll of toilet paper. He grabbed it eagerly and clutched it to his chest. Arg! 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 He yelled happily. I hope my acting conveyed that that was happy arguing. Another truck rounded the corner, and the driver also threw out a toilet paper roll. He tooted and laughed as Richard gathered up the bouncing paper. A third and a fourth truck did the same. Each driver enjoyed this daily ritual. Passersby stopped and stared at the strange sight. Richard ran back inside with the loot. He headed toward his favorite place, the loft, a large, warm space in the roof of the house. He climbed up the ladder and disappeared through a hatch. And that's the end of chapter two. Should we get your updates
1: on uh, thoughts you might have so far? I don't know. I mean, I have like some kind of vague predictions of maybe where this story is going. And yeah, this just seems like such a weird one to uh, and then weird. And when I say weird, I mean like potentially insensitive (laughs) just just to have this story period but to lead with it in a collection that touts itself as being you know full of wow weird and crazy stories and how are we going to lead you into this collection well we're going to start off with a harrowing story of a crippled child and his you know nearly divergent brother who is having difficulties at school and fitting in and they're dreaming of the snow and maybe they'll get it and they probably will, but probably in some horrific way or, you know, tragic way at the very least. It's like, "Ah, this is not the vibe that your Lane Smith ish cover was giving me Paul Jennings. I don't know. This doesn't feel, this does not feel part of the world of you know, uh, circa 1995, uh, weird, crazy, freaky stories for kids so much as it does, like, Tales of the Unexpected from the BBC, you know, like Roald Dahl. Uh, Here are some, you know, uh, characters that might have some uh, foibles of one kind or another, and they're just going to come to a really biting and... Blackly humorous finish. I feel like that's the world we're inhabiting right now. I do not get like you know kind of what are you thinking? Well, I was wondering if if when the
0: British Broadcasting Corporation sends you a legal letter to stop doing what you're doing because it is similar to a copyrighted thing that they have done, do they call it a BBC syndicist? I've
1: just opened up the hatch to the treehouse. Get out.
0: Take this book with me. You'll never know how the story ends.
1: Oh, boy. How am I going to sleep tonight? It's like, I want to hear it, but do I want to hear it? I don't know. So the only way we can approach this, I think, is we just rip this literary bandage off of our scab knee right now. Well, let's BB
0: cease and desist talking and continue on. <laughs> With our story.
1: I'm just nodding my head. Shaking my (laughs) Uh, head. I'm pretty
0: proud of that one. I came up with it in the moment. Would you believe it?
1: I believe it.
0: Chapter three. Jeez, I don't know, said dad. All these blasted... (laughs) It's funny to read an Australian dialect with just an American who gives a shit accent. All these blasted toilet paper rolls, we have to put a stop to it. It's just making him worse. We're the laughingstock of the neighborhood. Harry James asked me if we're going to build a public toilet in the front yard. I'll bet the factory doesn't even know their, to- their drivers are throwing away rolls and rolls every day. It's been going on for
2: years. Have you ever looked at his face? said Mum. It's the only time Richard ever smiles. (laughs) When those toilet paper rolls come bouncing over the fence, he's happy. You can't stop that.
0: It's a fire risk, said Dad. All that paper up inside the roof, the whole place could go up in smoke.
2: Think of it as free insulation,
0: said Mum. Have you been up there lately? Go and have a look. And don't let him see you or you're in for it. Mum silently climbed the ladder and peered into the loft. Her eyes widened. A huge castle made of toilet paper rolls filled the entire space. It was so much bigger than before. Turrets and walls and a tall, arched entrance. Paper stairs made their way to the top of the ramparts. Dolls and teddy bears were propped up like archers peering down at the enemy. The whole loft was crammed with thousands and thousands of toilet paper rolls. Erg Richard's face appeared over the battlements. He began to fire on the intruder. A shower of be- bouncing toilet paper rolls peppered Mum. She quickly ducked down and closed the hot lo- loft hatch above her. Right, yelled Dad. That's it. "'I'm not putting up with this nonsense for one more second. "'He climbed quickly up the ladder and opened the hatch. "'Richard, get down from there. I'm putting a stop to this. "'Tomorrow I'm going to the factory and stopping those drivers "'from throwing out toilet paper rolls. "'And all of this is going, every last one. "'It's ridiculous. Now come down here at once.' Garg, garg, garg! Toilet paper rolls fell around Dad like mortar shells. He shook his fist at Richard as the angry boy lobbed the rolls over the castle walls. Dad ducked and hit his head on the side of the hatch. <laughs> then he fell, screaming and grabbing at the rungs of the ladder. He crashed heavily to the floor. Damn and blast! he yelled. Mum tried to smother a smile.
2: Are you okay, dear?
0: She asked. Mum's voice is pretty inconsistent. I think I'm just (laughs) going into whatever high register I can reach when I see her name come up. No, I'm not. It's not funny. I mean it. Every last bit of paper is going out of that loft. Another hailstorm of toilet paper rolls bounced down on top of him, and the hatch banged shut. End of chapter
1: three. I did not anticipate what a prominent role. <laughs> what a prominent role the toilet paper rolls would have to this story. <laughs>
0: it, Good thing I didn't have to come up with a stupid voice for them too.
1: Yeah. Boy, we would have really been in for it. Um, I... I mean, their prominence seems to insinuate that they are going to be part of the story's payoff. And it's really hard for me to figure out what that could possibly be. Um, I can't think of anything that's not stupid. So at the very least, I will be impressed if Paul Jennings pulls off something that is passingly okay that involves paper towel rolls. Or excuse me, toilet paper rolls.
0: Yeah, the castle motif has me wondering if it's gonna be I don't know, there's gonna be some kind of beheading or I don't know.
1: You know what I mean? Like No, I know exactly what you mean. It's like, yeah, what the what the hell? I like,
0: Oh and his name's Richard, King Richard, oh, right? Hey. That's that's a that was a king in history.
1: It was, man, we're getting really lofty in our literary illusions here. King Richard, man, maybe there's going to be a little bit of Shakespeare in this one. Yeah,
0: I wish I knew anything about the immortal bard, apart from that he's called the immortal bard. All right, chapter four, chapter four. In his room nearby, Tim lay on his bed and listened to the commotion. He shook his head. He knew what the toilet paper roll castle meant to Richard. Terrible things would happen if he lost the toilet paper rolls. He had been collecting them for years, building with them, wrapping things up. His loft was a refuge, a place to go, a warm world of his own. Angry red clouds rolled in Tim's head. Why couldn't Richard talk? Why did he always have to live in a lonely world of his own? Tim looked at his crutches propped against the bed. Life wasn't fair. He closed his eyes and thought of snow. Gentle falling snow drifting down, cleaning the world with its whiteness, covering the sheets in the cars. Happy children threw snowballs and laughed. And there he was, the best bit of all, the snowman, dancing, dancing, lifting his black hat with a snowy arm. "'winking with his coal-black eyes, beckoning Tim, calling him. "'Oh, look at that snowman dance,' said Tim. "'A wonderful peace filled his mind. "'He lay back on his pillow, and for a while, "'the pain in his chest melted away. "'I'd love to see snow,' he said to himself. "'If I could see snow just once, I'd be happy forever.' "'Tim opened his eyes, and the vision vanished.' Outside the window, the summer sun cooked the brown grass. Oh, no, said Tim. A figure was loping across the lawn, dragging a large garbage bag behind him. Arrgh! Arrgh! said Richard. Tim could see that Richard was angry. He knew that his brother was running away from home, taking his most precious possessions with him. Come back, Richard, yelled Tim but he was too late. Richard had already disappeared along the footpath. Tim struggled out of bed and searched frantically for his shoes. Where were they? Under the bed, he grabbed a crutch and hooked them out. He quickly put on the shoes and limped outside. Richard! Richard! he yelled. His voice echoed along the empty street. Richard was nowhere to be seen. Tim set off along the road. His crutches rubbed under his arm, and with every step, the pain in his chest grew worse. He knew that he was supposed to take it easy, not strain himself. Richard, he called. Richard! Tim was worried. He should have told Mum and Dad so that they could use the car to search. But Dad was angry with Richard. This might be the last straw. Richard could be in danger. He would often run across roads without looking. At this very moment, he might be on top of someone's roof or hanging off a bridge over a river or crawling down a drain. Blood-red clouds began to swirl in Tim's mind, but there was no time to call the snowman and drive them away. Sweat began to form on his brow, and he felt faint. End of chapter four. And I think we're like... (laughs) halfway through the story. Oh, my God.
1: Where is this thing going? What is the... What is... Like, is our main conflict really that this boy's preoccupation with toilet paper rolls is kind of upsetting some people, mainly his father, and that his brother keeps dreaming of snow? Like, how are these two things connected? How will they be connected? I... It is a mystery right now, and again, I cannot fathom what what is going to happen.
0: Here's my theory. Uh, Richard has been saving up all the toilet paper that used to be connected to those rolls and uh, tearing them up into tiny little flake-sized bits, and that's going to be the snow that they get at the end of
1: the story. Now that you said it, I feel kind of dumb for not thinking of that yeah Yeah, oh i feel incredibly dirty (laughs) just thinking of toilet paper snow
0: i'm curious if this is ever gonna because i don't know i guess this says weird stories it doesn't say scary stories but i'm wondering if there's ever gonna be like something scary here
1: well i expect it to have been weirder again this is just kind of like so far grim kitchen sink reality with that happens to have a twist. That's what I'm sensing so far and especially after your prediction. Um, and I feel like that realization is going to come after again, I'm I'm just sensing tragedy waiting in the wings here. So I feel like that revelation is going to come immediately after Richard has been like run over by a truck or dies of heat stroke. Uh, or you know, his his dad beats him senseless with a paper towel roll. Uh, I I know it's toilet paper that he's preoccupied with, but you know, toilet paper or paper towel roll might get the job done. Um, that's that's how I see this panning out. It's like, oh, you know what what is your deal, Richard? You know, you're you crazy fool, and you crazy dead fool. Why did you do this? And oh, look, it's a winter wonderland of poop scented snow.
0: And then, uh, do you think Richard is going to
1: gain the ability to speak at the very end? It was for you, Tim. Uh, <laughs> uh, I I hope not, because I mean, things are bad enough as it is. We don't need to. <laughs> We don't need to make it worse by coming out with heck, you know, is it heck need or heck uh, Hack. I think it's hackneyed. I, I I thought it was too, you know, hackneyed things like that. Um, I feel like that's not much of an insult anymore since I don't know how to say it, uh, but you know, patooey, there you go. I think
0: Richard is going to talk. And after he's been run over by a truck, He's going to say, and the, the, the toilet flakes are falling from the sky. He's
1: going to say,
0: toilet paper, more like joy-lit
1: paper. Oh, my God. Stop it already. Jeez. joy to the world paper. Chapter 5.
0: Tim wandered the streets for hours, up and down, along and around He couldn't find Richard anywhere. He had tried all of the usual places. The bridge, the station, the river. Nothing. The tiny boy leaned his crutches on a wall and sat down. He felt very, very tired. He had just decided to give up and go home when something caught his eye. A mailbox. A mailbox wrapped in toilet paper. A clue! Richard had been this way. Tim struggled on. A dog ran past. A dog wrapped up in a paper bandage. This dog had met Richard for sure. The houses gave way to fields. A herd of black cows grazed lazily in the sunshine. Twenty black cows and one white one. I hope the white one is a black one covered in toilet paper. A farmer was cursing and pulling away the shroud of paper that entwined his mooing animal.
1: What is happening? Uh, my
0: one sentence ahead of time prediction came true. Wow, well, you're a marvel and a prophet. <laughs> oh, hold on, wait till you hear this next sentence. Uh, uh, no. Tim hobbled on following the paper trail. Oh my god. <laughs> He found it hard to breathe. He was hot, and the pain in his chest grew worse and worse. But he kept going. He had to. Finally, he stopped. The long stream of paper fluttered in the gutter. It wound like a country road through the long brown grass to a barbed wire fence. A few strands of paper were impaled on the wire. The trail led through the fence and onto... The train line, gasped Tim. He rolled under the fence and up onto the tracks. Cold sweat formed on his brow as he followed the steel and paper trail. His breath came in gasps. His chest seemed to be enclosed in a ring of iron that grew tighter and tighter. The tips of his crutches slipped and jarred on the heavy stones between the tracks. Tim knew what lay around the corner. He tried not to think about it. Think of snow, he said to himself. Think of snow. But the snow would not come. The dancing snowman had deserted him. There was nothing but angry red clouds and a railway line running across a tall, tall bridge. In the center of the bridge, a tiny figure danced crazily, wearing a long, white stream of paper, a fragile rope which suddenly broke and fell uncaringly into the river. Far, far below. End of chapter five. Nothing to say? All right. Chapter six. Tim stopped when he reached the bridge. It stood on huge wooden legs that spanned the river beneath. At the top, it was narrow with one set of tracks that ran along close to the edge. Gentle vibrations growing strongly came up through Tim's crutches. The train was somewhere on the other side of the bridge. Tim wanted to run onto the bridge and grab his brother, but he knew in his heart that if he did, neither of them would come back. Richard, he screamed. Richard, the train is coming. This way, quick, get off the bridge. He took one wobbling step toward his brother, but could go no further. One crutch lodged in a gap in the planks. Tim fell sprawling between the tracks. His chest hurt terribly and one leg was bleeding freely. For a second, he just wanted to stay there. Just stop and let things happen. Blood-red clouds swirled. He lay back and shook his head. Then he closed his eyes. Where are you, he said. Where are you? Don't let me down now. And through the mists of his mind came the wonderful dancing snowman, calling, 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 beckoning with a snowy finger. Tim smiled. He opened his eyes and crawled toward his crutches, which were balanced on one of the rails. He moved his fingers like the legs of a spider. He could just reach the crutches and scratch them toward himself. In a second, he had them and was up and on his feet. The vibrations from the tracks grew stronger and stronger. In the distance, a train whistle sounded. Richard, he shouted, this is for you. He rummaged in his pocket and pulled out a package of honey. He lifted his arm and threw with all his might. The tiny container arced into the air and then fell down, down, down until it disappeared in the pebbles by the river. The train was on the bridge, thundering toward Richard. Brakes screaming, sparks flying high into the air. Richard looked down after the honey he looked at Tim he looked at the train behind him
2: garg
0: garg he screamed then he ran stumbling toward his brother fleeing before the steel monster that screeched and roared toward him he fell at Tim's feet the train was upon them richard peered down the grassy slope toward the river searching with his eyes for the honey Then he jumped off the tracks and bounded over the fence and down the hill. Tim had no strength. He simply fell, like a tree teetering after the axe man's last blow. He toppled sideways away from the train. The thundering wheels crunched his crutches to splinters. Tim rolled like a log, down the gentle bank and under the fence. At last he stopped by a small stand of bushes. Arg 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 came Richard's voice from the river far below. He scrabbled along the rocks looking for the honey. Stupid little idiots came a fading voice from the last carriage of the train as it rushed into the distance. Richard struggled back up to his brother with a package of honey. He held it out in one hand, but Tim was too tired to even notice. Don't worry, there's another five pages of this.
1: Sorry, I have something. <laughs> <laughs> My printer's going. Uh, um,
0: sounds like little Tim struggling his way along the train
1: tracks. Yeah, I think I can. I think I can.
0: <laughs> the image of him rolling down the hill like a log made me laugh. <laughs> this kid, I noticed this poor, this poor kid who doesn't who needs crutches to walk. Just like,
1: well, this is the only way to get out of here. Roll, roll, roll. <laughs> Five pages. I can't believe that that was not, like, the climactic scene. Like, Yeah, I know, right? I thought, yeah, where does he go from here? I guess we'll find
0: out. Yeah. Chapter 7. Later at home, the doctor pulled the sheet back up to Tim's chin and looked at the sleeping figure. He's a very sick little boy. It's a French doctor. He said to his parents, he must... This is a French accent, right? Sure it is. Absolutely. He must have walked 10 kilometers on crutches. And (laughs) I'm losing it. And that fall down the bank, it was too much for him. (laughs) He's turning Russian. It was too much for him. (laughs) It was getting near the time anyway. You should think about putting him in the hospital soon. Tim's dad shook his head. How did Tim's dad say, We've talked about this over and over, he yeah. said. We knew this day was going to come, and we're ready for it. We want him to spend his last days in bed at home with us. Above their heads, in the bedroom ceiling, an eye swiveled and stared through a small hole. The eye moistened and formed a tiny droplet. The tear wobbled for a second and then fell. It spun glistening through the warm air and plucked onto Tim's cheek. His mother wiped it away, thinking it was her son's. She was right, and she was wrong.
2: He's crying in his sleep,
0: she said. The eye in the ceiling blinked. He wanted to see the snow, said Dad. He's never been to the snow. He's never seen a snowman or a snowstorm. It's the only thing he's ever wanted. They all looked out of the window. Insects buzzed in the warm insect air.
2: And now he never will,
0: said Mum. I wish he could see snow before he... She found it almost impossible to say the word. Dies. The eye and the ceiling vanished. A terrible banging and crashing came from above. A long, barking howl filled the air. Ar. What on earth? said the doctor. Thel looked up at the ceiling. It's Richard, said Dad. He's had a bad day. Don't worry, I'll get him down. He'll be okay. After the doctor had gone, Dad climbed the ladder to the loft. The noise grew worse and worse. Dad pushed up the hatch and peered inside. A hail of toilet paper rolls drove him back.
2: What's happening?
0: said Mum. He's gone crazy. He's completely wrecked his castle. Demolished the whole thing. Toilet paper rolls are everywhere. Suddenly the noise stopped. Mum climbed the ladder and peered in. Well, said Dad.
2: He's angry about something, said Mum. He's sitting there with a toilet paper roll. He's pulling it to shreds just biting it and ripping it to bits, like a wild animal.
0: She quietly lowered the hatch and climbed down. Do you think he knows, said Dad, about Tim?
2: (laughs) Who knows what he knows, said Mum, but just for once we are going to have to forget about Richard and worry about Tim.
0: End of chapter seven. My new theory is Richard is actually a dog that they have just decided was their son. Cause they've <laughs> never said so far that he is human. That's the loophole. Oh yeah. Good catch. Chapter eight. We're in the home stretch. We got three more pages. Chapter eight. Oh my God. <laughs> Two days passed and Tim grew weaker and weaker. In the ceiling above all was quiet. Richard refused to come down. Every time the hatch was lifted, a furious hail of toilet paper rolls met the intruder. "'Just leave him,' said Dad. "'He'll get sick of it up there, and he'll come down like he always does.'
2: "'He's hardly touched the food I put up
0: there,' said Mum.
2: "'But I've got something special. I've been keeping it for an emergency.'
0: She fetched a two-liter jar of honey from the kitchen.
2: "'This ought to bring him down.'
0: she climbed the ladder and carefully
2: lifted the hatch
0: then she waved the honey jar through the opening
2: richard
0: she said softly look what i've got there was no reply then before she could blink the honey disappeared snatched from her hand rats she yelled
2: he's grabbed it now he'll never come down we'll just have to leave him
0: Both parents went down to Tim's room. They were shocked by what they saw. Get the doctor, said Dad. Tim was pale and sweaty. His eyes rolled wildly in his head and his breath came in heavy gasps. Above them, in the ceiling, an eye stared down and then disappeared. Outside, the warm, summer breeze was swinging around and becoming cooler. The doctor arrived within 20 minutes and gave him an injection stay with him he said i'll wait in the living room it's not going to be long now tim opened his eyes and tried to sit up his father lifted him so that he sat upright against the pillows wait
1: Wait a minute the doctor gave him an injection and said oh it won't be long now did he come expressly over to their house to to kill this child He's like, you know what? I've got some other appointments I need to get to. Let's speed this up.
0: <laughs> the last line is, and then Dr. Kavorkian closed his case and left the house.
1: What a strange man.
0: <laughs> that would be a, a late 11th hour twist in this in this uh, story.
1: Yeah, in a story full of them.
0: Tim opened his eyes and tried to sit up. His father lifted him so that he sat upright against the pillows. I want to look out said Tim, at the garden. His father pushed the bed until it was hard up against the window. Without warning, something crashed onto the footpath outside. Dad stared out. A tile, he gasped. A tile's come off the roof. Another tile hurtled down and smashed into a thousand pieces. And then another, and another. It's Richard, said Mum.
2: He's on the roof, and he's wrecking the place.
0: Like a furious fiend, Richard grabbed tile after tile and threw them to the ground. Then he crawled up and over to the other side of the roof. He grabbed tiles furiously and tossed them into the air. Soon there was a yawning hole on both sides of the roof. The wind dropped completely. It was the stillness that always comes before a cool change in Melbourne. Chapter 9 And Still the Tiles Fell
2: Get the fire brigade, said Mum. We have to get him down.
0: No, said Dad. This is one time when Richard is not getting all the attention. He took his wife's hand and led her back to their fevered son. What's going on, said Tim weakly. Nothing for you to worry about, said Dad. You just lie back and think about...
2: Snow,
0: said Mum softly. She nodded her head upward at the doctor. He quietly left the room and went outside. Richard's on the roof. I'm telling you, the toilet paper snow its about to happen. He placed a ladder against the wall and climbed to the top. Good grief, he said as he stared into the roofless house. Oh, wait, is this Dad or the doctor? It must be. The- he quietly left the room. When- I think this is the doctor.
1: Okay. Yeah, why is he, does it say he's climbing up to the roof?
0: Okay, Mom nods her head upward at the doctor. He quietly left the room, I guess meaning the doctor, and went outside. Okay, I guess he's going up to the roof. That's weird. Good grief, he said as he stared into the roofless house. He turned and scrambled back down. He beckoned to Mom through the window. What's up? She whispered. He's taken off all his clothes, said the doctor, and he's smeared honey all over himself and those toilet paper rolls. He's a cold breeze stirred turned into a gust. Oh my
1: god. I oh my god. Yes, Jose? Do you do you see where this do you see where this is going?
0: Uh taking off all his clothes, smeared honey all over himself. And those toilet paper rolls. He's torn up all those toilet paper rolls into little scraps. There's not one left. Um is he gonna pretend to be the dancing snowman? I think th-
1: <laughs> I think so. Alright. Oh my god. <laughs> Read on, Jeeves.
0: The gust became a gale and lifted a billion tiny pieces of toilet paper into the air. Yes. From his bed by the window, Tim's eyes grew wide. He stared in amazement at the eddying cloud of white flakes. Snow, Tim
1: choked. He said said victoriously.
0: Oh, it's snowing. Oh, just look at that snow. That snow, said Tim, is as fresh as an apple still on the tree. It's as cool as the breeze across a deep, deep lake. Oh, I thought I'd never see it. This is the dying child that's saying all of this. Turning into Robert Frost all of a sudden. (laughs) Another gust lifted the paper and drove it crazy like a billion white bees swarming in furious silence over a winter garden. Then the wind dropped and the paper began to settle. It filled the air and flurried down, covering the brown grass with a snow white coat. Branches bowed in reverence. The car disappeared like a cake under Christmas icing. Or like a car under snow, since this isn't actually snow, but... Drifts formed on the window. Distant houses vanished under the swirling clouds. The world was white, white, white. Look, called Tim, look. Yes, it is. I'm sure it is. A snowman. Oh, can you see that snowman? And there, faintly emerging from his private storm, was Richard. Paper stuck to the honey, a wild, snowy figure, prancing and capering among the flurries, the finest snowman ever, dressed in a warm white coat. Tim gazed in wonder as his dream came true before his staring eyes. Just look at that, he said in wonder, A snowman, look at him go, he gave a happy laugh, his last laugh. He lay back on the pillows with an enormous smile on his face, his last smile. Then he closed his eyes for the last time and went off to dance with the snowman forever. The end.
1: I don't ever want to hear you talk smack about the scary states of America and Jason Specter ever again. What? (laughs) What just happened? Oh, man. If there's anything that I'm more astounded by, it's the fact that. We willingly sat through that entire thing, maybe thinking that it would get better <laughs> or that things or that questions would be answered. <sighs>
0: I'm so happy that my one of my predictions uh, was correct. I could not have
1: seen these the
0: uh, Richard turning himself into the dancing snowman coming no, through. The, no uh, who could have foreseen such a thing?
1: Well, like uh, I, I was marveling at earlier, it's like, these are two very different scenarios that we've got going here with snowy visions and toilet paper fixations. How, you know, where, where is the part of this Venn diagram where these two circles overlap and we found it by God. We found it i I would have loved it
0: if as Tim was you know laying there on his deathbed and he saw Richard dancing around covered <laughs> in honey and and uh, toilet paper it was just like what the fuck
1: yeah. <laughs> dies <laughs> you know, not not fooled by a second even in his In his deathly delirium. (laughs) Like, what is that motherfucker doing right now? Is he serious? Oh my God, I'm so glad I'm dying.
0: (laughs) I'm glad I don't have to explain this to the children at school. Uh.
1: (laughs) So glad I don't have to put up with another second of this bullshit ever again. (laughs) Oh, I'm so glad, so glad that being crippled paid off and an early death.
0: I mean, I guess it was a sweet ending
1: in, no. in its way
0: <laughs> no <laughs> no,, it... but think about think about if you're Paul Jennings and you you're writing this short story where you know that the ending is gonna be a little brother. Pretending to be a snowman to make his his dying brother have. Would you start backwards with like Chekhov's toilet paper as the mechanism that's going to get you there,
1: well, see, or would that's you? Exac- <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking just now. Like, okay, this clearly must have started with the final image in mind, as you know many short stories uh can and do cut to
0: old winona writer sitting in a rocking chair with her granddaughter being like yes when my little brother was a dog it never used to snow but then he became a toilet paper snowman
1: and then it did (laughs) sometimes when you look outside You can still see him dancing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
2: Well, uh,
0: listeners, what uses do you have for toilet paper besides cleaning off your nether regions? Let us know. Blackmagictreehousepod at gmail.com. Probably blackmagictreehousepod on Instagram. Blackmagictreehouse.com, I think is our website. Uh, send us pictures of crafts you've created with your toilet paper and we'll post them on our Flickr account.
1: Careful what you wish for. (laughs) I got to say, after all of that, I, I, I still have a touch of morbid curiosity as just to what, what the other stories are about, what kind of, what are the titles? Can you at least give us that before we sign off and
0: Oh, you want all the titles yeah. right away,
1: huh? Yeah, sure. Why not? Well,
0: that one was called As We Know Forever. Mhm. Story 2, Too Many Rabbits. Mhm. Story 3, A Mouthful. Story 4, Listen Ear. Story five, picked bones. Story six, just like me. Story seven, ringing wet. Story eight, backward step. And of course, story nine, pubic H A R E hair.
1: Wow, yeah. Maybe we would have been better off with that one, who knows? Or maybe we would have been worse off. Well we'll get there one day. Yeah.
0: Don't you worry.
1: That we shall. Well, is there anything else we want to well, say before we uh sign off? Well, I just couldn't help but think if the story entitled A Mouthful might have been the one that I remember <laughs> decades ago from my language arts class. So
0: Well, let me let me end with this, Jose. Do you know what part of a book is made from the most career-savvy part of a tree? Okay, now what? The prologue. It's short for a professional uh, log.
1: You know when you, like, <laughs> You smack your head on something, and you just like sure, like dad. Shut your, <laughs> you, you just like screw your eyes shut as hard as you can in hopes that it would make the pain go away. That's what I just did with my eyes.
0: So I'm the Richard. I'm the Richard to your dad character, is what
1: you're saying. Oh yes, <laughs> damn, and damn and blast! Damn and
0: blast!